Good morning. Good morning, my beloved Orangewood. As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, how He loves us. I mean, it's amazing as we gather. There's such good news that, that God loves us. God could not love us more. God will never love us less. And the amazing thing about God is He not only tells us that He loves us, He, he shows us that He loves us. And the incredible, amazing grace of God's love is it's just not on your good days. Scripture will tell us that God would so love us that he would send his son and he would demonstrate his own love for us that while we were still sinners, while we deserve God's wrath, while we deserve God's separation, he loved us and he'll never stop loving us. It's amazing because he's loved us to the depth of the degree that anything that would ever separate us from God's love, listen to this, anything that would separate you, a sinner like me, from the holy God, and anything that would separate us from our love, God's love, he has dealt with. And he is, he's taken away. He, he's nailed it to a cross so, so that we can gather and we can sing amazingly, oh, how he loves us. That love should change us. It makes us new. It changes us from the inside out. And it really, our lives now are to be telling that love story. His love story through our lives. Well, this morning we're concluding our sermon series on marriage. Marriage, God's love story. Uh, it is true that God created marriage to tell his love story. I mean, that's why he gave us this institution. Ultimately, it's for him. It's interesting, the language he describes his love affair with us is oftentimes the language of marriage. The Bible begins with a wedding. The Bible ends with a wedding feast. When he wants to describe his love for us, he calls us his precious, spotless, beautiful bride. And he is the bridegroom. And he gave us these institutions called marriage. So his love story would be seen. His love story would be told. But he also created marriage to create families. If you missed last week's sermon, we looked at uh, one of the great gifts of marriage, sex. So you may want to get that one online. And as a uh, wonderful blessing of this relationship, comes forth children, comes forth families. And God created families to tell his love story to. That's why he has given us children. Just like in marriage, marriage is revealed not only God's love, but his character. It's also true with our families. Families are to reveal the love of God, his character in and through us that reveal as we, our parents or children, who he is and oh, how he loves. He loves in such a way that he wants to call us children. Not just some of us, but all of us. So as we look at this, we're going to look at family matters because you know what? Family matters to God. Family matters to God because, again, this is the way he's going to tell his story. And, and ultimately, it's about his family. So whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever role you're playing right now, if you're, if you're single, if you're a child, if, if you're married, if you're divorced, uh, if you're widowed, I mean, this is God's love story for you. We're, we're going to focus on family stuff today. 
But because all of us is God's children, all of us who are beloved, our children, it's for every single one of you. So if you're here and you love Jesus, he's got a message for you. If you're here, and even if you never will be a parent, you're his child, and he's got a message for you. And so this is for every one of us. And again, has a special blessing for those of us who are parents and have been blessed with children. But let's look to God's holy word. Uh, we're going to jump back into Ephesians 5. Um, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, uh, verse 21, and then we're going to go to some new ground in chapter 6. And as we hear this, you'll hear language for all of us, that this isn't just for married couples or just for those with kids. This is God's story, and it's God's love story for each and every one of us. So let's hear God's holy and errant word that'll never lead us astray. It calls us and tells us this. Therefore, be imitators of, of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And now chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we just want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you for the loving us to the depths that you have that you have taken sinners that by nature are our children of wrath and your love has changed us into blessed, dearly loved children of God. What incredible depths of love you have for us. And God, what is clear is that you are the one who has to, to reveal that love to us. You are the one that has to, to teach us about that love and, and what that means for each one of us. So God, I'm going to ask you, Abba Father, I'm going to plead with you that, that you will do that which only you could do. That you would speak through a broken sinner like me. So, so the authority of, of, of the words I say have the authority of, of Abba Father the eternal Father. And God, I pray that you would give us the ears to hear your voice. And God, that you would give us lovingly minds to understand your story in our lives, your word. That God, that your spirit would be so near and dear to each one of us that there would not be a heart here today that isn't touched by the depth of your love, that isn't changed by the depth of your love for us. And God, I pray that each one of us would be able to walk out of here with our heads held high, knowing that, that because of your love for us and the work of Christ, we are your dearly beloved children. And I pray that's a reality for each one of us this morning, maybe some for the first time. And Father, you'd come join us in a way that, that we would be able to walk out of here as, as dearly loved children in a manner worthy of the family name. God, the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true, 
and that contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to, to shape us to be more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his glorious name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you'd like to follow along with me. And the first thing we're going to see in this text is that family matters in God's love story. I mean, families matter. And God's family matters in the way we are to, to live and to love. So it's true for all of us. For those of us who are God's dearly loved children, we are to be imitators of God and, and tell his love story. But let me stop and say that again. For those of us who are God's dearly loved children, this love of God that's been lavished on us, that, that we should be called the children of God. And it's incredible. But the work of God is so great for those he loves is that not only are we called the children of God, but in Christ Jesus, we are the children of God. We are his beloved. He has, again, separated from us everything that would take away his love from us to him. He says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to remove your sin. I'm going to remove the filth. And I'm never going to stop loving you. You know how good a news this is? He says this to us. He says, I want you to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. He doesn't say, I want you to be 10, be imitators of God to become dearly loved children. I don't want you to be an imitator of God so that I might start loving you this way. You see, God's amazing grace is he always moves toward us. He moves toward <laughs> us and he gives us a lavish love upon us. And because of the work of Christ, he says, you're mine. I'll never stop loving you. You are mine and you are dearly beloved. And now because you are mine, because of the work of grace in my life, in your life through Christ Jesus, be imitators of God. Be imitators of the hero of God. Be imitators of Christ. Why? Because each one of us who has tasted this grace of God, each one of us who've been turned inside out by this love of God, each one of us who have been made new creatures by the love of God, he wants to tell his love story through us. We are now signs of his love. We are now living proof of a God who loves. We are to be imitators of God's love because we need to tell his love story. Basically, church, the world should look at us and they should see our peculiar life in love with a guy named Jesus so transformed that they say, man, it's like you wear a sign. God's love story being told here. That is true of each one of us. We are now, because we're to tell his love story, to walk in love as, as Christ loved us. We are to, to give ourselves up as he gave himself up to us. The reality for each one of us, young, old, single, or married, the reality for each one of us is that God's love story should be the point and purposes of our life stories. Did you hear that? I mean, the reason he loves us, the reason he sent his son for us is so that his story is the point of our life. His love story is the story we're, we're, we're telling. No matter what God role he calls you to, single or married, a parent or a child, all of us are to be imitators of Christ. You see, it's so important that I started off with Ephesians 5.1 because it says, if you are a dearly loved child, you are called to imitate him. That's for all of us in Ephesians 5.1. It says in Ephesians 5, 2, all of us are to love sacrificially like Jesus is. Every single one of us. 
It says in Ephesians 5.21, all of us are to love and willing submit to one another in love. Because why? It tells his love story. In verse 21, he says this, out of reverence for Christ, because your life has been purchased, because you're worth so much more than just you, because it's so much bigger, your life story is a part of his life story. Out of reverence for Christ, now be imitators of God. Why? Because family matters to God. And he calls us his dearly beloved children in Christ Jesus. Just as he gave us marriage to reflect who he is, just as he has given us marriage to, to show how he loves, he has given us families to show how he loves and describe who he is. God lovingly lavishes love on us to call us his children and to make us so. Therefore, again, family matters. It matters each role we play, that our relationships that God has ordained will reveal his love story, tell of his character, build his church, advance his kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Where is God calling you to tell his love story? Some of you might be frustrated with that. Say, you know, but I'm not married, or I'm not a parent, or gosh, I'm divorced. Or I'm a widow or a widower. And where has God called you to tell a story? I mean, for some of you, you long for another role in the story. Some of you are longing to think, man, if I could just be this, then I'd tell a story. You're a dearly loved child. Wherever you are, and whatever stage of life you are, your calling is for you and no one else. No one else to tell the love of Christ through you. And your love story, here and now. Not for that day where that one event happens, but now. And that is true for all of us. What role has God called you to play? What role? Are, are you a child? Are you a, a parent? Older or younger? Will you play that role for the glory of Christ? Because family matters to God. And he has situated his family exactly the way he wants it. Secondly is this. It says children are to obey and honor their parents. But it says in the Lord. And again, I've tried to make clear in the beginning, we all are children of God. We are all called to obey and honor the Lord. But God has said specifically for our household families and our children as well, obey and honor your parents. In Romans 13, God gives us one of those great passages that kind of help us through uh, how to deal with authority. And it's a, it's a passage, especially in verses one through seven, that says this, is that all authority, all authority has been established by God. And I gotta tell you, that kind of stretches us a little bit. Like, really? Uh, so-and-so is in office and they're in authority or this is in authority. But it says in scripture, and there's a mystery to this, that all authority is established by God. And it says even more, it says, if you disobey authority, you're basically disobeying God. Now, Obviously, there's a line to that when authority is clearly going against the law and love of God, then there's a, there's a response to him that needs to be first and foremost. But for every single one of us, we got to realize that God has placed authority, whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, or whoever's on in the White House, God has established that for a reason. We may not know. And our response is to honor him with authority. Well, specifically, that's true of parents or for children as well. God gave you, if you're a child, your parents. Those are the ones. He didn't make a mistake. 
that's the authority that he has established in your life. And God calls you to obey and honor him. And here's what he says. You ready for this? Because it's right. I love that. Isn't that cool? Children, obey and honor your parents because you want to know what? It's right. And it's right by nature. You know what it doesn't say? Because they're right. Right? It doesn't say because they're right or they're smart. It says because it is right. Because God himself establishes authority. And it reflects the authority that we're supposed to love to God and submit to him. And he just says it's right. And there's going to be times in life where your parents aren't right. And you got to say, but this is God's authority. When I was in college, I got a, one of the most exciting phone calls I could get. It was from my best friend, the best friend that I grew up with. I mean, we've been best friends since fourth grade. And, and uh, I knew his relationship with his girlfriend was getting serious. And he called me to tell me that he was getting married. I was so excited. And he asked me, and the only person who ever asked me, he asked me to be his best man. I said, David, you know I'm going to be there, man. This is your biggest day of your life. I'm going to be next to you. Of course I'm going to be your best man. When's your wedding? And he told me the date. It was right in the midst of finals. I said, no, no problem, man. School's never been important to me. <laughs> so I, I can figure something out. I mean, we're going to get, I'm going to get there. And it was, a, it was a, a long flight across country. And uh, the, really the time would be, in, be an inconvenience. But I picked the phone and I, I called mom and dad. And they, listen, they, they knew this boy. He grew up in our household as much as his own. Say, hey, great news, Dave's getting married. Oh, that's fantastic, great news. Dave's asked me to be his best man. Of course he did. You guys have been best friends forever. Yeah, great news. Well, when's the wedding? Well, here it is. Well, don't you have finals that time? Yeah, but that's okay. I'm sure I can figure something out. No, you're in college. I mean, this is your finals. I'm sorry, but you can't go. I mean, I'm like 20 years old. I mean, I'm 1,200 miles away from home. What do you mean I can't go? So I hang up the phone, say, well, that was a good suggestion. They said I can't go, but I'm going to go, right? I mean, where are you going to go? I'm going. Of course I'm going. Come on, I'm a grown adult. This is a wedding. They missed it. What are they thinking? I'm going. And God's providence, knock on the door. And a knock on the door, and I open it up, and there stands a dearly beloved friend named Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie felt a call by God to go and just to love students on the campus of Florida Southern College. And Ronnie specifically felt a call to baseball players. And God would just orchestrate his movement. And I'm telling you, he would knock on my door at all the right times. And he knocked on my door. And I I said, Ronnie, you got to come in. You got to hear how dumb my parents are. I mean, you just got to hear. I mean, this is is really bad, Ronnie. I was so looking forward to uh, having, you know, somebody say amen. Can you believe it? I can't believe it, Jeff. You got to go. Matter of fact, I'm opening my wallet. I'm going to help you go. And as I told the story and got more impassioned, he just kind of looked at me and looked at me. And I'm noticing he's not agreeing, and I'm noticing he's not opening up his wallet. And he said, you know, Jeff, I really think you should honor your father and your mother. I just don't think you could get around it because it's right. And I'm like, come on, Ronnie, but, but, but. We just went to God's word, and I said, you know, you are right. And I, I got to tell you, it was one of the hardest decisions of my, of my life. And um, it's kind of hard because my parents are in the service right now. So don't look over there. <laughs> they messed up. Tell them later. They really blew it, right? I still, to this day, I hate the fact that I didn't go. But God called me. And that's what he called me to do is honor my father and mother. You know, not only does he, does he say it's right, he also commands it. 
He commands it in the Old Testament. He commands it in the New Testament. He commands it like six times. I mean, he doesn't want us to miss this. This is really important because it reflects our relationship with him. Obey your father and mother. Honor them because I say it is right, because I commanded it. But it's such gracious of God. He says, but I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to make you a promise. that If you do this, it will go well with you. And I, I got to tell you, it's a strain with parents and kids and just with age and separation. And just that role can be very, very difficult. But I could promise you children, it's not always going to be easy. And your parents are going to make mistakes. And they may even do wrong things. But at the same time, it will go well with you. God's blessing will be upon you when you honor your father and mother. And there will be peace in that household. You see, not only is it right, not only is it commanded, not only is there a promise, but you see, what we've got to see in this parent-child relationship, it's telling a story. It's telling God's story. That's why he gave us children to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with his glory, to tell his story so that authority and submission and love could be seen in the gospel story of Jesus Christ. Ten years I was a student minister and I loved every moment of it. And I would often tell uh, students this phrase and they hated it, but I believed it to be true. I would say you can't be right with God if, if you're not right with your parents as much as it's up to you. I'll say it again. You can't be right with God if you're not right with your parents because he makes it so clear. We're to honor them. We're to obey them. And that's the authority he set up in our lives. Thirdly, parents are to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The first thing he says is this. Don't provoke your children to anger. It's basically saying this, parents, we do it all the time and we mess up. Listen, some of you are like me. We have unrealistic expectations for our kids. I mean, we, we put a weight and burden on little shoulders that should never be there. We, we expect them to excel in everything. I mean, our kids are going to be the star athletes. Our kids are going to be the star in the classroom. They're going to be the best artists. Our kids are going to make it. And we put all these expectations that if you're really going to succeed, you're really going to succeed in these arenas. I'm waiting for a Christmas card that will come in the mail and says, you know what? I have a kid who's average in everything. I got a kid, he's just mediocre. I'm crazy about him. He's phenomenal or she's incredible. But you know, yeah, okay, okay, student. Not too good in art. Boots the ball all over the place in the baseball field. But what a great kid. Instead we hear like, oh my gosh, all my friends have the, like these super kids. I mean, what happened to mine? I think the reality is we got to be careful not to put unrealistic expectations on our children. And listen, don't despise their weakness, their children. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to mess it up. Sometimes they're going to mess it up big. And what great opportunities to show them love. And what great opportunities to show them grace. And don't despise their weakness. They're sinners like you. They came from you. And they're going to be broken like you. And what a great opportunity to move the love of Christ into their brokenness and weakness. Don't ever despise it. Because God doesn't despise yours. And he wore yours. And we also have to remember, not only is all authority given by God, but all authority is given by God to reflect his authority. How does God use power and authority? He always uses it to build up. He always uses it for the glory of God. I mean, I mean, parents, that's our, our goal is to sacrifice our, our lives to build them up in Christ Jesus. So it says, bring them up. It means to nourish them. 
It's Calvin says it this way. It means, let them be fondly cherished. Isn't that beautiful? Let them be fondly cherished. But in what? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline, parents, reflects God's love. Love and discipline go hand in hand. They, they have to be together. Hebrews 12, 6 says this. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. If we're dearly loved children, he disciplines us. And he chastises every son whom he receives. So love and discipline go together in God's love story. We are called to discipline our children. Because we are lavishly loved. Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. That is what God has called us to do. But more than that, it's instruction of the Lord. He says we are to to nurture them, to discipline, to instruct them in the Lord. Christian education is not an option with our children. Let me say it again. Christian education is not an option with our children. We, parents, are to provide that instruction in the Lord. So what's the goal? What's the goal of instruction? The goal is not good behavior. Christian instruction is not so that we have more moral kids than the neighbors. The goal is not good citizenship, but we hope that they're moral. We hope that they're good citizens. The goal of raising our children is not to avoid embarrassing situations where they pitch fits and they bring shame to the family name. The goal is not to avoid embarrassment. The goal of Christian education of our children is for our children to come to know and to love and to serve Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, the goal of Christian education is for them to get the gospel, not just for them to be moral. The goal is for them to say, I am loved by a king named Jesus who laid his life down for me. What is instruction of the Lord? Well, it's teaching our, our children of God and, and his word through, through creation and through his word. What does this Bible primarily teach? The confession says what we are to know about God and what he requires of us. And so what's our primary goal in instructing our kids of all the things we do? Teach them of Jesus. Teach them of who he is and what he's done. When, when and where should we bring this instruction to our children Deuteronomy 6 says this, an amazing passage of Scripture um, that says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You should talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontals between your eyes. You should write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's basically saying this. Parents, you're to tell your kids about Jesus and about God's love in all circumstances, at all times. But the primacy is the home. I love this. This is my pulpit. And this is a chance I have the privilege of standing behind here and talk about God. And it says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And anybody who stands in my pulpit, I want them to know, show them, show them Jesus. You have a pulpit too, parent. Your pulpit's your house. Probably primarily your dining room table. Let me encourage you to, to use that to share life with them, to use that to teach them and to, to mold their lives. 
We talked about it as staff this week. We talked about how, how important that time is. And let me ask you, when's the last time you sat down as a family and had a meal together? When's the last time you weren't running like crazy from event to event to event just to try to get life done? I think the enemy's robbing us of what we need to do by being as busy as we are. I gotta tell you, one of the greatest joys of a dad is, is when I can sit with my family and they're all gathered on that table and we don't have anywhere to go and we can just talk about life. And that's the most important time for me to be able to say, you know your dad's a knucklehead, right? You know that I struggle with depression at times. You know that, that I'm a broken sinner. You know I fear man. You know I care too much about what people think. Do you know this about your dad, right? Because, you know, your dad needs Jesus. And your dad, they see me sometimes as larger in life. And I want him to see me as the reality of who I am and how desperately I need a king named Jesus who would forgive my sins and make me whole. It's often asking my kids, is it hard being a preacher's kid? And you can ask him, but I often hear no. Because dad's the same at home as he is in the pulpit. And the reality is, is I, I have the privilege, so do you, so do you, of, of revealing our need of Jesus. You see, instructing our kids uh, in the Lord is instructing them in faith and repentance. It's instructing them in the reality that we, as, as leaders of our home, need to be the chief repenters. We're the ones who need to model that we need Jesus. We do not need to be superheroes. We need to be broken sinners that, that have embraced the good news of the gospel. And you can do that. And that's what your kids desperately need from you, mother. That's what they desperately need from you, father, from grandparents. They need to see the truth of the gospel authentically lived out in broken sinners like us. And don't you dare give up that dining room table time. And don't you dare give up time where you can gather the family and tell them the truth of how God loves. Oh, he loves you. And don't pretend you gotta be anything other than you in love with Jesus and watch their lives be transformed. I said it earlier, Christian education is not an option for our children. Christian schooling is. But we're so, we so believe in the, the instruction of all members of the family of God. That's why we have O-Kids in, in our children's ministry. That's why we have our student ministries. That's why we have Orange Christian School and Maitland Community Preschool. That's why we have over 800 kids on our campuses on a weekly basis because we have the privilege of telling them the good news about a God who loves. But we are not in the primary role you are. We are just here to support you to do the role that you do to tell your children the good news of Jesus. You see, the goal for all of us, young people and old or anywhere in between, the goal of all of us is to be imitators of Christ. Why? Because we are dearly loved children. All of us, every single one in every stage of life is called to tell his love story. His love story through our marriages through our families, through our singleness, through our brokenness, through our divorces, through our, through our being widowed or widowers. We are, have the privilege of telling God's love story with our lives. What role has God called you to play? Will you be willing to tell his love story through your life, through your marriage, through your family, for his glory? This morning, we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a meal that he has given for his dearly loved children and just for his dearly loved children. But it's a meal he wants to show us, hey, family matters to God. It matters so much that he gives a specific meal just for family. It's a meal that he wants to tangibly show you how much he loves you. He wants you to touch it. He wants you to taste the depth of his love even today. It's a meal that he will discipline us. He says that we are to come to this meal and examine our hearts. Are you ready to meet with God? 
How you been? What's going on? He wants you to examine your hearts and he wants you to confess your sins knowing that he's more ready to forgive your sins than you are ready to confess your sins. But he wants you to come to him and say, tell him the truth. He wants to discipline you. So Mealy wants to instruct you. He says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Never forget the depth of love. Never forget the sacrifice. It's a meal that he wants to nourish us, nourish us with his Holy Spirit and make us become more like Christ. Are you ready for that meal? Let's come and partake. Let us pray. Oh, how you love us. Oh, how you love us, Father. You couldn't love us more. You'll never love us less. That you would send Jesus to come and to rescue us. And not just to find us and not just to lead us in a new direction, but to make us a part of your family to cleanse us and to set us free, to forever love us and never change your mind about us. And oh, how you love us, Jesus, that you would become one of us. And oh, how you love us that you would live in obedience to the Father for us. And oh, how you love us, Jesus, that you would become our sin and separated from the Father so that we would never have to be separated from the Father. Oh, how you love us, Jesus, that you would conquer sin and death and reign at the right hand of the Father right now to intercede for us. Oh, how you love us. And that you would send us the Holy Spirit to come and to comfort us and to give us faith and to give us a hope and a new life. Oh, how you love us. And this meal is a tangible reminder of that. God, would you use this meal to to grow us to become more like Christ so that we could be better imitators of God because we are dearly loved children. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.